Good evening, and welcome to a very happy edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Good evening, everyone. As hopefully everyone is doing well. Lots of happy Caps fans out there. Lots of happy uh, sports degenerate gamblers out there. <laughs> that was huh? that was definitely big that, news. That yes, <laughs> I, I said it. There's no doubt I'm going to go back to taking all day uh, the first couple of days of the tournament off if there's a drivable <laughs> sports book down the road. I think Virginia said it's in the mix, but um, I don't know what the deal is with Carolina. Yeah, I think I had heard that Maryland, like National Harbor, was definitely like ready to roll or whatever. I, I, I had to assume that's why MGM got in there so big, but yeah. But who knows? Who knows? That's cool. Interesting stuff. Yes. So who knows what that means for college? But uh, we are excited to join you tonight. We have mostly. All good news to talk about uh, tonight. Rob and I for years have joked that we are – our favorite thing is when spring sports carry on their season a little longer into May and June. And uh, with two teams playing well right now, it's pretty exciting. Um, we don't have to dredge the barrel of random new stuff that we could think of for another few weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, not quite as much. Not we're quite. still doing a bit of that. But. Yes. Um, but as always, we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, it's a good time of year for some errant IPA. Um, I know they have a, what is it? The Salad Days Saison, also a good one. So get down to the uh, brewery there in Harrisonburg. You can mention the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. You get a free pint glass from Pale Fire. So thanks again to our, one of our, our, our favorite, our only, our main sponsor. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you guys. Um, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about lacrosse, obviously, about softball. Rob's going to give us a little breakdown of some basketball recruiting news. Very, and, very little. Let, let's very little. curb expectations on that. But it is something we should talk about. You know, we're getting, uh, I think, National Signing Day is coming up. And um, I don't know. That was one area where I think Roe has really shined was his Mm -hmm. recruiting so just get a little bit of prep who we've got signed already and who a couple of guys we have on the horizon that that could be making an official yeah and uh and we're gonna do a quick off topic tonight little overtime action uh one we had talked about a little bit last week it could be a little loose tonight but we'll see um i think the first thing we got to talk about is lacrosse so the women's lacrosse team over the weekend beat the their rivals from over efton mountain at um that little university in charlottesville 15-12 15-12 in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. That is the second time this year that JMU has put the Cavaliers to bed, and we couldn't be more delighted about that. Um, they have advanced to the Elite Eight of the softball tournament this weekend. I mean, excuse me, the lacrosse tournament across, this weekend, yeah. uh, where they will be hosting the Florida Gators out of the SEC. So definitely getting some cha- a chance at some big-time programs, even if not necessarily the all-time lacrosse powers. And I mean, the Dukes are hosting a chance to go to a Final Four. Uh, doesn't get much better than that. That game is... No, they, yeah. they hosted a, a, a quarterfinal matchup, I think, in 2010. Um, lost to Syracuse, I believe. They were upset, lost Syracuse. And the winner would have gone on to play Maryland, who uh, eventually won it all. Okay. So they've been, they've been close before. I think, didn't you say they actually made a Final Four? They did in two, uh, 2000. I was looking back yeah. to that, and they had beaten UVA. Um, in the quarterfinal round to get to the final four. So this is their chance to advance to the program's second final four. I think it's probably safe to say, Rob, you certainly know a lot more lacrosse than I do, but 18 years after 2000, this is kind of a bigger deal. 
Um, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, well, you just have the growth of the sport. You know, right. it's the old cliche. Everybody makes fun of it, like, "Oh, fastest growing sport, fastest growing <laughs> sport." And, you know, you can do a lot when you do growth rates. You know, on top of uh, absolute numbers, but but just the fact that um, the sport has really pushed westward. You know, Stanford being in town over the weekend. You got programs like Colorado now playing at high level. USC, um, Northwestern has won a bunch of championships. I don't think they even had a program. 30 years ago, um, you know, it's still very much concentrated, you know, Maryland, North Carolina, Virginia, um, the mid Atlantic and up near Stony Brook. But, um, the landscape is changing. I think it's definitely a big accomplishment back in 2000, but a much bigger accomplishment now, just because the playing field has expanded so much. Yeah. And, and obviously JMU, I mean, this is a team that's lost one game to the number one seed, Maryland, who's still in the tournament. Um, that sports books will not be up and running this weekend. We don't think, but it's safe to say, I think JMU would be the favorite. This weekend, again. Um, and this weekend, this past weekend, the game against UVA was a really impressive performance from the Dukes. Um, you know, they, they struggled a little bit to get started in the first half. It was an extremely hot day, as most of us know. Uh, temperatures in the 90s. Uh, it's probably higher, hotter than that on the field out there at Centera Park. Uh, the Dukes put together a big run to close the first half, a 5 nothing run to close the first half and take a lead, um, a three-goal lead at the halftime. They, both teams were noticeably affected by the heat, various points in the second half, pace of play slowed down a little bit, um, if not the scoring. Uh, UVA closed to within one twice, I think. I watched pretty much all the second half. Well, I mean, they jumped out to an early lead. Mm-hmm. They, they came out firing, sure. um, really picked up where they left off against Stanford. They, they cruised home to a pretty relatively comfortable win on Friday and took that momentum and a whole lot of confidence um, into yesterday's matchup. And, um, it was a little little closer than I had anticipated, but uh, nice nice come from behind win from JMU, and then holding off the late charge, like you mentioned. I mean, it, it was it was really a close game. Three goals in the cross is not much. No, it's not. You can you can close that in a hurry, as as JMU saw against Towson when Towson came back mm-hmm. um, late. So really impressive win in those conditions against a historically really strong program that. Um, you know, Jamie's beaten UVA over the years, but UVA has a pretty decided advantage in terms of the overall um, series victories. Yeah. And, you know, look, I don't, we don't know the ins and outs of this program uh, to a huge extent. But one thing we've seen from this team this year, uh, the win over North Carolina early in the season and the UVA win during the season, um, all the big games they played that have been tight, the Towson game, you know, at the end of the regular season and then in a tournament, this team does not seem to they don't get tight when the score does. They seem to step up. And those tw- two times in the second half this weekend when UVA closed, and, and it, I kept thinking, I, I know as a fan, I was, <laughs> I was nervous. And it seemed like their senior leaders, I mean, Haley Warden and Elena Romsberg, both those times just, I mean, there was one move that Romsberg scored on the last time UVA had cut it to one that was, uh, you know, something out of like the, Barry Sanders, Marshall Falk playbook, you know, <laughs> just kind of this jump cut to the side and right inside. It was great. And uh, this is just such an exciting time. I mean, I don't care what sport it is when you're in the elite eight of, of a full national tournament, it's pretty great stuff. And, and uh, Jamie would go Stony Brook still alive in this tournament as well. Um, CAA rival in football, not in lacrosse. Uh, and Stony Brook is the host institution for the final four this year. So somewhere, I think Long Island, definitely somewhere we could end up with a few Dukes fans if the Dukes and, could win this week. 
and Stony Brook is not only alive. I mean, they, they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. And mm-hmm. They absolutely steamrolled Penn. I, I yeah. think they won by like 13 goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they faced Boston College, which is a team that I believe only lost one game. Mm-hmm. Um, then they, I think they lost to North Carolina in the ACC tournament. So yep. that's that's a 5-4 matchup. Um, like we said, Stony Brook fell due to strength of schedule. So, you know, they were in, they were number one in the polls, but ended up with the fifth seed. Mm-hmm. So they're a little bit pissed about that. But um, bottom line is there's just – doesn't appear to be a weak weak team left. No, there doesn't. Um, but I will say, I mean, on JMU's side of the bracket, you you have to like their chances in the sense of, you know, they play Florida this week, who I think mm-hmm. like like much like JMU, you know, Florida's a big name nationally in a lot of sports, but the SEC is certainly not a lacrosse powerhouse. And the that side of the bracket has North Carolina and Northwestern on the other side. Northwestern was an unseeded team, and not to say they're not good at this point. Um, and North Carolina is a team that JMU has already beaten this season. Yeah. So you really have to love their, their shot right now. And hopefully they yeah. can take it. And, and just to prove that we're mostly enthusiastic uh, versus <laughs> knowledgeable, is it even SEC? Is it even SEC lacrosse? Is that a thing? I don't know. Like yeah. Florida? I have no idea. Like yeah. I know with, yeah, right. with men's lacrosse, it's, I mean, isn't, I think Denver's in the Big East. I mean, these conferences are all kind of, mishmashed mm-hmm. versions because you still don't have, you know, top to bottom. Most leagues don't have everybody playing. Um, the ACC for men's league historically was considered like a great conference, but I think for a while it was only like four schools. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, and then Maryland left and now the big 10 is the big conference, but you've got like Hopkins is involved in one of these oh, yeah. P five type things. It, it's really weird. So like an, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know no. um, if there is an SEC for the women. It certainly isn't for men. No, it just feels like this is a great chance. So the Dukes play 1 o'clock on Saturday uh, against Florida. So if anybody can make it back to the Berg this weekend, um, this is a huge opportunity to watch a Duke sport you don't get too often. And certainly they had a big crowd, almost 1,000 people there last weekend. Uh, pretty full-looking, you know, Centera Park, smaller field. So it would be great to replicate that or, or push it even more, especially if it's not as awfully hot as it was this past weekend. Or not on Mother's Day, too. And not that's, on Mother's that's Day. a really big crowd for Mother's yeah, Day. Yeah, so I, I would think there will be some people that are pretty excited and, and getting into it. And uh, with all the it, – it's it also just feels, Rob, I was thinking, like, whatever the sport, it's cool to see right now, like, the way we the way that the athletics department has to reach people and sort of just general JMU Nation fandom. Um, I feel like people are much more aware than maybe they were even 10 years ago when we had some teams doing really well. So, oh yeah, there's just it's just far easier to to inform people and get people to kind of jump on the bandwagon and think like, hey, you know, nice way to go spend an afternoon. Oh yeah, or even just tune in and watch it on Madison. Yep. So go Coach Shelley and uh, go Dukes. Hopefully, uh, we will be talking about a Final Four berth this time next week. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. So before we get to lacrosse, there was one thing we did want to mention. Um, I got I, last week. I talked a lot about the Duke Club event in Charlotte uh, that I got a chance to go to. It was a lot of fun. I know all of those events are coming up in the big markets for JMU folks, Richmond, Virginia Beach, and D.C. in the next couple of weeks. I know the D.C. event in particular, uh, we said we would talk about a little bit on here, is May 22nd at 6 o'clock at A-Town in Arlington. So that's a JMU-owned bar down there in Arlington that most, I think, a lot of Metro Dukes are aware of from watch parties the last few years. Uh, it's a really fun event. Obviously, Coach Houston, I expect it'll be much better attended than the Charlotte event. But for all the Metro Dukes out there, uh, if you get a chance, 
go ahead and uh, log on the Duke Club website. You can get details um, on the Duke Club website under events. There's, uh, it's always a really fun one. And I'm sure, I'm actually sure, having done a lot of these, Rob, the two of us over the years, there will probably be more special guests at the DC event than there are at most of the other places. Yeah, it, it tends to be that way. Right. Um, just kind of an easy trip and they go visit donors and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. So that's we'll see. It's always fun. It's a good time. Definitely. So um, the other team we wanted to talk about is women's softball, who I think we all were nervous going into the selection show after they had uh, failed to win the conference tournament, lost to Hofstra uh, in the conference tournament, that maybe this was the year that JMU's streak of NCAA tournament appearances would be broken. And that was not the case. The Dukes uh, in the field of 64, huge field in softball and really exciting. They will be going to Knoxville uh, to play Tennessee. And I think Rob and I are both excited. This looks like a, you know, we don't know what to make of this Dukes team, but their Tennessee is the 10, 10th overall seed. So out of the 16 sites they could have been sent to, it's nice to not be going to the number one or number two overall seed. Um, I saw some things. Auburn is in the tournament where Coach Dean went, and there were a couple of players who said they'd like to go there. I think Coach Laporte said, it's probably better we're not going there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, Tennessee is there. Uh, JMU starts against Ohio in the first matchup. This is the double elimination format. Uh, Monmouth is also in that pod. Not that Rob and I know anything about Ohio or Monmouth, but – it's, or Tennessee. Or Tennessee, for that matter. <laughs> but JMU's played Tennessee quite a bit the last, what, four or five years? I mean, it seems like Tennessee's been a team they have often played and played well. So I think they played Ohio this year, too, didn't they? they I, I think they did. I think they took two out of three in a series from Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, so it certainly sets up for JMU to, you know, win a few games and, and I think have a legitimate chance to advance out of this pod with the right breaks and some good performances. Um, kind of interesting <laughs> – most of you know I work at UNCG, that they got sent to South Carolina, which is the same place that Hofstra was sent. And the UNCG team is both a regular season and a conference tournament champ. In a lot of ways, I thought, I looked at that pod, and I thought that's actually tougher for Hofstra than for JMU. So some good sort of national bracket breaks for the Dukes the last few weeks, which we don't often see, have not often seen in other sports. So we will take it. Um, Anything else from you, Rob, on softball? No, just unlike with lacrosse, there's no doubt that the SEC sponsors the full range of softball. I think <laughs> didn't, didn't all 12 teams. I think every team it? in the SEC made the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I mean, SEC softball and baseball—it's crazy. Um, it's just top to bottom. You know, even even the people, that, even the teams that finish at the bottom, um, are kind of going into selection weekend assured that they will be playing <laughs> postseason. Just very impressive. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Think, though, right, 12 teams or 14 teams in, in a 64 team field yeah yeah i mean it's the sec invitational right now yeah um, i mean this would drive basketball commentators nuts right if, if oh yeah if there was a conference putting 10 teams in and deservedly so but it just shows how tough it is in terms of rpi and other things the strength of schedule mm -hmm. um the caa you know it's people can analyze it better than we can in terms of the softball depth top to bottom but it's pretty clear that it's nowhere near the sort of depth where you get where literally every series you play in the SEC in conference play is going to benefit your RPI. Right. Win, yeah, win or loss, win or lose. Win or loss, yep. you know, you're, you're okay. Um, so that totally changes the dynamic and how you can schedule um, your out-of-conference play. 
Um, JMU and Hofstra don't have that luxury. So they really are, they're battle tested. So it can be good this time of year mm-hmm. um, that they're used to kind of going on the road. Um, you know, so we'll see. It's interesting, but um, should be a fun tournament. Definitely. And uh, this is, uh, as we said, double elimination. JMU, I, their first game is on Friday at three o'clock against Ohio. And that is on, well, the JMU website says it's on ESPN3. I don't know if that's now ESPN Plus or what that means, but um, you can definitely find it on ESPN platform Friday at 3 if you are looking to ditch work at late in the afternoon. Um, I think that uh, takes us to – Rob, you, wanted to, you were going to give us a little insight on some basketball recruiting. Well, as much – I mean, insight or more <laughs> just a plea, a plea for information. Oh, okay. I I'm, I don't know who the equivalent of Michael Evangelista is for for hoops in terms of being a recruiting guru, mm-hmm. but I'm really curious uh, about this class in general, but about one particular player, and I'm not sure if you've been following it. Right now, the Dukes have one um, person who signed a letter of intent. This guy, Deshaun Parker. Okay, he's a point guard out of Ohio. Um, Ohio, it's tough to tell. Like their state tournament is really weird. So in like the first round his team won by like 50 points and it, but it's like a weird seating and different classifications. The guy appears to be a shooter. Um, uh, he's a point guard, played point guard in high school. Unlike Matt Lewis, who came to the Dukes having been a shooting guard his whole life. Right. But I'm thinking he'll be, you know, pr- probably provide some depth, but um, hopefully adding to some perimeter shooting, which is an area we'd like to see some improvement. Yes. Um, <laughs> then they got a guy, a shooting guard, Jonathan Hicklin, I believe he's the one from the Charlotte area. Okay. Who, who's a recent community. He's like a 6'4 guy. Um, I don't know much about him. He's like a two-star. Um, I just I like the fact that they're getting guys from Carolina. Ohio has been – it's kind of a weird place for Jamie to recruit until you go back and realize all the success Brady had there with Devon Moore and A.J. Davis and Humpty Hitchens yeah. and all those guys. Um, then there's another guy, Devon Flowers, um, who's another verbal commit who's from the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he played at Potomac School, mm-hmm. which has a pretty decent program. I think the guy averaged like over 20 points. It's kind of a big body. He had played at Gonzaga for two years, oh, okay. which for anybody that follows high school hoops, um, Gonzaga plays in the WCAC. It's the conference that Matt Lewis played in. Um, uh, Victor Matha, Aladipo, Good Council. You know, yeah. um, Brandon Slater, one of Villanova's big recruits for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, top to bottom, it's considered by most people to be you know the best basketball conference in in the country Mm -hmm. um so the fact that he was there is somewhat encouraging he left kind of find his game and it appears to work so i'm just encouraged that we've got Roe now two years in a row getting somebody from the dc area Mm -hmm. Um, this is a very strong recruiting area for college for college basketball Mm -hmm. somewhere maybe like the 757 uh for football right so I don't know, I, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the fact that we're starting to recruit in-state. That was something, if you were going to criticize Brady, uh, certainly, you know, there's, he did a lot of really good things. He was able to pull a lot of diamonds in the rough. He didn't have a lot of success recruiting the state. Personally, I think that's critical, particularly when you're two hours away from a real recruiting hotbed. So I'm very encouraged by that. What I'm kind of putting a plea out is <laughs> – I'd like somebody to tell me what the heck's going on with this Matthew Urbach guy. Okay. This is somebody who was a verbal commit back in the fall. He played at Woodson, you know, the Tata school oh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're quite familiar with. He's another shooting guard. Um, doesn't appear to have a lot of other offers going on, but I haven't seen anything from him uh, about him on the JMU website or through any sort of JMU communication channels. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I've asked Whalefish, like, He's just this mystery. I don't know if he's <laughs> going to be like a preferred walk-on. 
if they're waiting for him to make a decision or qualify academically, but um, he looks like a pretty intriguing player. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he was like all met honorable mention. He showed up on a couple of like Northern Virginia all-star team types. Um, Again, which provides some depth, you know, a six, four shooting guard who can apparently lead up from the outside. So if anybody has any insight (laughs) into what this guy's status is, um, certainly an intriguing player, but I don't, he was one of the earliest guys that I saw as a verbal commit and I haven't heard anything um, in probably the past six months in an official capacity. So hit us up if you know what's going on. Yeah, that, that is a certain, we will take all the basketball recruiting news we can get since we seem to have uh, JMU has developed after Evangelista quite the roster of recruiting gurus in football, in football, yeah. right? Yeah. So if we could just get one or two on the basketball side, we'd, we'd have a lot more information. Rob and I have never covered recruiting in all that much depth. We prefer, no, it, prefer it, it to wait until they get to campus and, it exhausts me. Yes, it's exhausting. Exactly. And basketball Actually, my, might be the worst, right? So my, my favorite recruiting news so far, if you're going to call it that, is the fact that nobody from JMU has said they're transferring. That's um, the best news of all, for that's sure. The be- that's the best news. Like, just keep them here, get guys that buy in, continue to grow. So Yeah, I won't, I won't feel – I won't breathe easily until they're all back rolled again in the fall. But yeah. we'll see what happens. So tonight's uh, – we're going to do a quick off-topic tonight. Rob, do you want to uh, introduce this one? Yeah, we just, this is pretty simple. Um, we just thought like three unpopular sports takes that we have. So maybe not necessarily like outlandish or hot takes, or we're, we're not going to go off skip Bayless on anybody and say LeBron sucks, but just things, our opinions related to sports that might not um, be, be part of the major consensus. <laughs> right. right. So um, you want me to lead it off? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if this makes me old fashioned or an idiot or just naive, but I love not talking about no hitters during no hitters <laughs> like the superstitious element and it's become quite popular for people to be like oh you know that's that's got no impact and oh it's dumb and i'm just gonna say no hitter and yeah obviously that's all true but like it's just fun like baseball is a great sport mm-hmm. but it is somewhat lacking in the day-to-day fun and enthusiasm department I think silly little things like this are cool. I love the the cryptic tweets you see, you know, like, <laughs> oh, call your dad or get to get to the television. <laughs> People not saying it. I thought it was hilarious when the Red Sox were getting no hit the other day and they started tweeting out no hitter, no hitter, no hitter, <laughs> jinx it. Right. Um, I don't know. It's it's funny too because like even these people, it's like this point of pride of like I'm so serious and I'm going to talk about how this isn't true and like nobody believes you're really jinxing it, but just don't be a killjoy. Have fun. I, I think it's, it's a fun tradition and it's a cool way to break up like a random Wednesday night in June yeah. when, when there's a, nothing else on. So. Well, and there's no sport that's more fun for sort of going back and forth about than baseball, right? As a oh, fan, yeah. just kind of casually watching it yeah. with all the games and, and there's no sport that produces more sort of, I, I don't know. The NBA is close and I'm going to talk about the NBA in a second, but more, I don't know, elitist versus old school, like new school elitist stat nerds versus old yeah. school. Like, you know, my dad's like, this guy has a great average or, yeah. you know, this pitcher's once he's the first of seven wins this year, you yeah. know, and everybody who's under 40 and been living with 538 for the last 15 years immediately shouts them down. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Pitcher wins don't mean anything. And, and I agree with that. And those are right. the same people kind of against unwritten rules and they're stupid. Yes. But I don't, those tend to be the people that feel like they need to rant and rave. Like I can say no hitter. It's got no effect on the game. And the statistics show us like, shut up. 
We know that. Which is fun. <laughs> and are like, you having, is, like, is that not, uh, yeah, that's what I keep wondering. Like, aren't you ruining the fun of it? Like, yeah, it's this fun. is half the fun, right? I mean, it's dumb. It's like it's like bullpen carts. Yeah, it doesn't help the relievers, but it's fun. Right. It's cool seeing those things. Like, it's great. I, I like rally caps and things like that. Yes, that stuff is 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 just neat to me. So well, and it's the um, one thing where we don't lose. Like when you're a kid and you first start learning about baseball. Like I'm thinking of your your boys, Rob, mm-hmm. and you first start watching it, and you're like, oh, he's got a you know a no hitter through five. Yeah, and that seems like I want to keep watching. When yeah. you know, as like the older you get, the more you realize, like, we got to get to like the eighth inning before I really yeah. care. Yeah. But at the same time, it's fun. If you're at the game at the ballpark in the sixth, seventh inning, that's really fun to be starting to pay attention to. Oh, it's fantastic. And not mentioning to your friends around you. Yeah, you're right. Yep. That's a good one. My, my first one is a baseball one, too. I just, this is probably not the biggest thing, but on that stat front, old school, new school thing, I still love the National League. Um, I, I have no interest yeah. in the DH. Maybe I'm just a, kind of a nerd about games and stuff, but I love the idea of thinking through and all the things that the manager has to think through and kind of paying attention to the game, you know, minor league, major league, whatever. You know, you're, you're kind of thinking ahead in that way in the NL. That's just completely different strategy to the game. And it starts so much earlier in the game, I feel like. Yep. Um, it just makes it more fun. I mean, if you're someone who, like us, is a baseball fan and you're watching – you know, parts of 40 to 50 games a year, it, it's definitely something entertaining that where everybody else just wants to see more hitters hit, you know, more home runs, I guess, and strike out 8 million more times. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Right. I actually had that as kind of one of my honorable mentions when I went in a different direction. Yeah. I, I think it's awesome because to me, it's like baseball can kind of, you know, be like a three act play. It's part of the drama and seeing how the managers, handle it and knowing like oh well you know if he gets through here he's he's on deck in the bottom half of the inning or something right um it's fun it's also a great opportunity to see managers completely go off the rails yes it is which is <laughs> i mean it's the dusty bakers of the world like yes. guys that are utterly brilliant and they make one you know they play a hunch and doesn't work out and then we as baseball fans just grill them about it mercilessly yes. like it's just but again like i don't know it, it's part of the fun of the sport i know people this people say oh you know it's you're seeing inferior players take the bat and yeah maybe but i like all i like it for all those reasons that you stated yeah but i also love like it's so fun when you have a player on your team like this year you know the last couple years with the nats like max scherzer yeah. who can really actually handle the bat a little bit or madison bumgarner right or bumgarner right or, or otani <laughs> yeah i mean bumgarner or otani are almost different yeah. planet because they're actually yeah. a threat to you know extra base hit but well, even just the, the appreciation for, like, the Levon Hernandez's of the world who you're like, yeah. he's going to get the runner over. And I'm impressed with that. <laughs> like, like, or, or, I mean, tell me you didn't love it when Bartolo Colon hit one out. Oh, you know, it's like, the greatest it's, thing ever, right? It's greatest, you know. And then I actually, I was at the game when he just did three fake swings because he just wanted to get the heck out of there. Like, it's funny. Yes. Um, yeah, but when they do put the bat on the ball and, you know, help themselves, as they say. Right. It, it just, again, it makes that random midweek game and and summer that much more fun yep. all right rob how about your second one okay um i don't know if this is going to be like completely make me sound like a dork or whatever <laughs> but i will i will actually really miss peter king's monday morning uh, quarterback yeah that, you're on your own there <laughs> yeah i know i know like there's plenty to throw stones about um he can come across like kind of a pretentious mm-hmm. douche sometimes and kind of a dork but it's informative to me it's like part of my routine of of being a football fan um, I like the way he broke it up. 
so I can kind of sift through the crap that he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way that he's just kind of like abused by everybody. Right. And so I can't tell if he knows or he doesn't know, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's become so bad. I feel like it's just, it, it's like the entire thing is like a character, character for, right. of itself. Um, but it's, I've always become more of a fan of the guy as entire sports internet and sports Twitter has just continued to pile on the man for the past four or five years. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps chugging away. Um, I mean, the stupid haikus and the, you know, whatever is freaking Montclair softball updates. Yeah, that's annoying, but you can just skip it. And the fact that he perseveres and it's a quick way to not a quick way. I mean, it takes 10, 15 minutes to read that thing, but you can catch up on the entire weekend of the NFL uh, while having your coffee Monday morning. It's just part of the routine of it. And right. it's antiquated yep. and the guy's a goof. And I don't know. No, he seems sincere. He seems like an earnest dude when you get through it and maybe I'll swim it against the tide here and I'm no. just proving to be the anti hipster or whatever. And I'm fine with that. Um, I, I like the guy. I'll miss the column and I, I wish him well. Okay. I'm, you're going to make me change one of mine, but um, <laughs> that's, that's really good. No, I mean, I, I'm going to actually put in a, a writer, you know, sports personality one as well. But um, mm-hmm. my second one is that I, I, I think that the most, I was thinking about this the, to me, the most exciting, and maybe I'm biased because of one particular moment, but the most exciting moment in sports, and I was trying to think about what this is. And for me, I don't think there's anything better than a big goal in soccer. Like, and I mean, a, you know, a championship clinching or World Cup type goal. You know, I mean, I love like the winning goal is good. The equalizer is good because it takes you from loss to, I mean, yes. You can't have a you can't have a two run homer right. in soccer. So like that equalizer when you you're down and out and your team scores, um, you know, in injury time or God forbid your team gives up a goal in injury time. Oh yeah, that is just an emotional swing that you don't get in a lot of sports. No, and it's it's that I, I think you know the NHL playoffs are incredible. Um, you know, basketball and football. There's a lot of scoring. So as great as any one individual play might be, you know most of the time there's a lot of other plays in that game that led to that moment. Um, yeah. Soccer, you're waiting in, in some cases for some fan bases. I mean, you're waiting years and you know, it, it's going to be really hard for me in my lifetime to talk the Landon Donovan goal in the world cup. Right. And I was just thinking about like, what is the most exciting moment that I've, you know, watched and been excited about. And I also think it's more, you know, I mean, I'm really, ex- we're both, let's go cats. We're both very excited about what's going on in the playoffs right now, but you know, it is just our fan base, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and just the sport where I think those enormous goals, it's whether, not a global thing. No. And whether it's champions league or world cup or premier league or La Liga or whatever it is, some of those feel just like, and there's only one moment. There's probably only one moment like that every three months or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just to me is a huge, I love that moment. So what, how about yeah. you? What's your number one one here, Rob? Um, I don't know. This I know the NFL is king and it's the beast and you know it drives Ooh. ratings and clearly everything, every number you can you can show will show that I'm wrong here. But like I could do with a whole lot less NFL in my life. Yeah, um, I, I'm fine with it. Like September through the Super Bowl, great. I don't need this round the clock crap. Nope. Um, I couldn't care this less draft about the, the, the draft. Oh my God. I mean, and I know like. You and I saying this, people be like, "Oh, I agree," but the numbers show that we are in the extreme minority. minority. Right. Yeah, I mean, th- it just gets ratings. The combine, like, I, I don't, 
I just don't care. No. It just quite honestly, it stresses me out. No, <laughs> I mean, football to me is fun on Sundays, but it can be very difficult with only one game a week when your team loses, it's crushing. And like, I like the off season cause I don't need to worry about it. Right. Um, yes. It's just, it's just too damn much. And the constant scrutiny about everything. Um, I mean, they've got it down to a science. God bless them from a business perspective. Right. They've, they've got people talking about them, but I, I don't need it. Well, I was just actually talking to a friend me. about this the other day, Rob. My other thing is it's just the product itself. I mean, I know there's a lot of people starting to jump on this, but the numbers don't necessarily bear it out. Like you watch, I mean, we watch a lot more college than NFL. I think at this point, you and I do. It's more exciting. Right. And you're watching high school on Friday and college on Saturday for people that really care about football. And there's like 15 different kinds of offense and the same amount of different kinds of defense. There's people running trick plays on special teams. Yeah. And it, and the score ends up to be, you know, 38, 35 every week. And then you go to Sunday and every single game is like someone's kicking a field goal to win 23-21 every week. Like no matter what. I mean, well, it's just you've got all these fantastic players with all these diverse skill sets. And right. these, like never going to work in the NFL. It's like because they've just they've kind of made it a machine. Everybody needs to fit this little system and you've got to be, you know, the, the simple quarterback that can make these reads and go and. I don't, it's, it's like they've taken all the innovation and creativity out of it. And whenever there is an innovation, everybody catches up by halfway through the season, season. and it's back to the same old crap. Yeah, and you cannot win without a, like a top 10 quarterback. Like you, there's no. no offense that makes up for not having no. a superstar quarterback. Where in college, I mean, there's teams all over the country running, you know. I mean, Alabama hasn't had a legit superstar quarterback in 100 years, it seems like, right? I mean, yeah, you know, and, and they make up for it by – well, they act like an NFL team, but right. they, they, also, right. they also have a defense that can, you know. Right. But I mean, Navy wins something. 10 games a year running the triple option, you know, yeah. every year. And on the other end of it, you know, Texas Tech or Oregon is winning 10 games every year, throwing it all over the field. Just outscoring Yeah, you. outscoring yeah. you. Right? It's, it's just so much more fun. But yeah, I'm with you on that one. And I, I, don't, I don't get the uh, – I certainly don't understand the year-round obsession with the NFL. So no, I mean it, it's fine. You know, Sundays, Sundays and Mondays are fine. I could also the Thursday games can can disappear as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, oh yeah, get rid of just, that junk. It's just yeah. I, don't know. I don't need I don't need the ubiquitous nature of it. No, I, I think their give, ratings give me, would go back up if all the games were at one o'clock and four o'clock on Sunday. Well, I think and, the play would improve right. too. Yes, I think part of the reason you're seeing things rather simplified is because so many people, so many teams are playing with a condensed schedule and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, well, I was going to talk about the NBA, maybe talk about tennis, but your Peter King one gave me a chance to uh, – I feel like one guy – I still love Bill Simmons stuff. And I know, I know I'm – Oh, I'm not – I know. Not see, you're not on all. board with that. And I, I, I understand that. I've just, I, I was a huge fan of Grantland. I remain a huge fan of The Ringer, um, as much probably more so for some of the pop culture stuff than the sports stuff now. But I respect – the hell out of his eye for talent right that's yeah um, some some of the readers that are some of the writers he's brought to my attention mm-hmm. and different things fantastic but that's a guy who the the whining spoiled brat nature and the way he left grantler like woe is me woe is right. me they weren't getting traffic and he wanted more and more budget and he's just acting like they screwed him um i don't know it, it just and the constant whatever like oh let me go back to the real world role rules and no let me brad stevens <laughs> is gonna rule the world and how's it compared to top gun and point break and no oh, he's on my mount rushmore like 
the guy was super successful, a, amazing innovator, um, good or bad, kind of set the blueprint for the sport, the way sports are covered online mm-hmm. today. Um, I mean, just tip your hat and be proud of yourself, man. Instead of just cranking out the same tired crap 25 30 years later yeah i do get Um, i mean i certainly still get tired of all the boston homerism um and i and i think you're right about the whiny brat part i have enjoyed that he has been i I just have always enjoyed that he's i think kind of watches sports we seem to watch sports in a similar way um in you know his appreciation for the nba is something that i really really like and i find a lot of old white dudes seem to not be cool with the nba and they've missed that it's gone from like a one-on-one league to a team-oriented, you know, loose, free-flowing game that's really fun to watch. And I was trying to explain that to my dad, and because like my dad doesn't stay up late enough to watch the West finals. the West Conference, yeah. but like he'll tune in for finals, and he's like absolutely amazed like by LeBron. But I was trying to tell him like the level of play is so much better than at any other time. Yeah, um, and they've you know, they've almost banished knuckleheads too. Like yeah. that you cannot play if you don't play in the team concept and understand your role. Like, and you know, I just like to see a guy like JaVale McGee get, you know, tr- transformed from just an idiot with the wizards to a guy who like knows his role and does what he's supposed to do and plays on the warriors is pretty cool. And I, I, some of the best, I mean, I know we're joking about Brad Stevens, but I feel like the coaching has just gone through the roof. I mean, oh, Brad Stevens is a genius. Don't oh, get yeah. Wrong. Well, and then I feel like Kerr and Popovich and, you know, I, I mean, there's so many guys. I mean, Buttonholzer and Dwayne Casey, who just got fired for yeah. mysterious reasons. Like, who knows why? Like, yeah, because he lost LeBron. I mean, right. give me a break. I know. And I just uh, line, line up all the coaches whose teams have lost LeBron over the past. Yeah. What, this could be, the, could be the eighth straight year he goes to the finals. Well, and I think I kind of like the idea that, like, this is not a league where, like, ex players are going to be successful NBA coaches anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to be a student of the game and really like a basketball nerd to be successful coaching the NBA anymore. Or kind of relationship genius. Like I would put Kerr more on that relationship manager side. That's of true. More in the or sort you know, of like, old school, early era, Phil Jackson. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Like before his guru stuff mm-hmm. kind of was built. Through. Kerr seems to be somebody who recognizes the players know what they're doing and it's his job to keep things moving and get out of the way when necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's kind of like the epitome of today's players coach, but the rest of them, yeah, it's X's and O's and strategy. Talk about a league that is constantly evolving um, and has really done amazing things with analytics and the way they directly applied it to in-game strategy and oh yeah, the way they build teams, you know, out in Houston. Oh yeah, we're we've gone from like arguing over Knicks and Heat and Pistons being like just teams that like made the game miserable to watch and just tried to kill everybody in the. 80s and 90s to now people are arguing that Houston has made it unwatchable because they're so stat driven. Right. I yeah, mean, they're just so efficient. Like yeah. you're either shooting threes or you're in the paint. Yeah. There's, there's the mid range jumpers of, you know, endangered species. Right. They are the what, what's happened to baseball where everybody either hits a home run or strikes out, you know, and now they just, that's, yeah, it's, it is crazy to watch. Um, and I think that, I, I don't know. I mean, the NBA playoffs are so much fun when you get to the end. Just, when you get to the end when the true superstars are left, it's pretty awesome to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, what Chris Paul did in the, in the fourth quarter the other night was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually got to go. We can go catch the second half of oh, the yeah? Golden State game yeah, now. That's right. So did you have any last honorable mentions or anything you wanted to throw in there, Rob? No, just um, I'll put something up on the blog later this week. But the tournament is coming up 
you know, that $2 million prize that anybody can enter. And there's a group of JMU alumni basketball players who are trying to put together a team. Oh, cool. Um, we'll put up some information. It's AJ Davis, I think, is one of the guys behind it. Nice. Um, I'm not sure who else is on the roster, but I did get an email from, from one of the managers or coaches or something today. Um, but I don't know. Be on the lookout for that. That's certain, it's something I, I think there's a way to play. You can play into the tournament, or you can kind of be like a social media voted in sort of things. So I think that's the route they're going for. Okay. Um, VCU has made deep runs in the past, but pretty cool event. You never checked it out. Like one of those things, a lot of people turned their nose up at it a couple of years ago. Um, it was like a million dollar prize at the time. I think it was two million dollars last year, but it actually was really fun. Um, pretty high quality basketball, and I think ESPN finalizes the last couple rounds. Okay, but, cool. Um, be, it'd be really cool. I think this is their third shot to get in, so if they don't get in this year. I think they're kind of bounced. Okay, um, from consideration, but I will post the details and let people know how they can vote and support the team uh, on the blog sometime this week. Nice. So thanks again to Palefire as always. Thank you, Rob. Um, one last shout out to our f- longtime friends of the pod, Jason and Sarah. Uh, we saw you in the wedding, the giant wedding photo as expected in the alumni magazine this month. <laughs> well done, uh, JMU swag. So Rob, I will talk to you next week when hopefully we will ta- be talking about softball and lacrosse continuing to prevent us from, lo- you know, having to come up with ridiculous content in the summertime. Yes, absolutely. And maybe a final, a final four berth. That would be great. Yeah. Enjoy the week, everyone. All right. Go Dukes.